Well, Happy New Year, BT Church. Uh, like Chris said, it is a honor uh, for me to be here, uh, standing on the stage where I gave my life to Christ, where I gave my life to ministry. It is a special day for myself and for my family, and I hope for us as well as we get a chance to open God's word together. Before I dive into that, though, uh, I do know that science proves that you are more prone to like me and listen to me if you look at a picture of my family. So I think we have that right here. That's my wife, Rachel. We've been married for a little over five years. And then that is our beautiful daughter, Reese Caroline Jones. She's just over two years old. I know many of you have been praying for her over the years, and we appreciate that so much. That was taken just a few days ago. In case you're wondering, yes, I have gotten a haircut since then. I did decide I would clean up a little bit. Uh, but so anyways, that's my family. Uh, and so like Chris said, my parents are here. And before I came up here today, my mom said, are you nervous? I said, I, you know, the same amount that I always am before I get a chance to go and speak. And she said, well, I am really nervous. And I was like, thanks for the confidence, mom. And I promise that that is the last time that I'll expose y'all. Uh, but so today we're going to get a chance to just take a look at something that I feel like God put on my heart specifically for you, for us, as we enter into 2023. It's always an interesting thing when you get a chance to come up and do a standalone message, right? It's always a little easier when someone's like, hey, here's your passage, here's your verse. But as I was praying about it, I felt like God was like, I I've been teaching you some things over the last six months, and I want you to share those things today. And so we're going to be taking a look at this concept and this idea of refuge. And so the question that I have for you today is, where do you find your refuge, now, now, I get that that's not really a word that is uh, used in, in modern English uh, as much, right? Because it's not the 7th century and we're not serfs that serve our feudal lord and we got to run to our castle for refuge when Canada invades, right? That's not any of our realities. And so we don't really use the word refuge anymore. It's fallen out of style. And so let me define it for us. It's just simply, it's a word that comes from Latin, and it simply means a place of retreat or shelter. Throughout history, it's had many different contexts, but it's always included this sense of a safe haven or a place of protection from danger, harm, or prosecution. And so my question for us as we enter into 2023 isn't, what is your resolution? It is instead, where do you Right now, today, walking in here, where do you find refuge when you're in need of a place of retreat or shelter? And so as you're thinking about that, I just want to share a couple of stories from my own life where I just uh, tried to find refuge in the wrong place. Uh, like Chris said, uh, I graduated from down here in high school in 2007, and before I went off to college uh, at, in, in Dallas later that year, uh, in the middle of the summer, we were having a guy's Bible study here at the church back in the old school days when we met in the pavilion, and then uh, we were there was a girl's Bible study happening at the house of a volunteer. And when we wrapped up our guy's Bible study, I go out to my truck, and I'm getting ready to go home, drive back to the farm 30 minutes away, and I walk out and my, car, my truck is covered in saran wrap and sticky notes because the girls from the Bible study had decided that they were declaring a prank war on us. And so I called my parents and I was like, look, this is what's happening. Please don't let me miss out on this before I go off to college. Like, can I come home, grab stuff and go back to, 
to my best friend Roy Cervantes' house because we had heard rumors that, that Roy was next that they were going to attack. And so they were like, yeah, so we drive home as fast as we can to the farm, grab stuff to spend the night, uh, drive back to Roy's house, and we beat them. No, nothing has happened yet to Roy's car or to Roy's house. And so, I mean, we got the whole family involved. We got uh, some fr- other friends involved too. And so Roy and Cindy, they, like, we were all in black. They were like, here's some black face paint. So we got, you know, the black streaks under our eyes eyes. We're, we're ready for this. And then we're going full home alone. We're just grabbing anything we can in the house to use as like to scare them off and be ready to surprise them when they showed up to prank us. And so uh, Roy and I grabbed some Roman candles uh, and we were going to be on the back of the house. We were going to protect there because we knew that they were going to uh, show up there. Now, Roy and Cindy uh, lived on uh, 29th Street where there's now a new park that's been developed since then. But, but before that, all right, circa 2007, it was just an empty field with like two foot tall grass that no one ever mowed. And so Roy and I, we're in the backyard, we're waiting for, we're waiting for these girls to show up. And we've got walkie talkies. I mean, like we're, we're going all out for this, okay? And so, and so finally we hear Roy and Cindy, they, they call me like, Roy, Roy, Trace, they're here. And so we were like, okay, that's our cue. We're going to spring into action. So they're like, hey, there's a car going around to the back alley right now. And so we're like, awesome. So we run to the grass and we're like, they're never going to see us here. They're never going to expect it from behind. We're going to pop up. We're going to shoot Roman candles at the car. It's going to be hilarious. And so the car headlights come around the corner. We see it and we dive into the grass and we're like, this is it. And we're we just the, the anticipation the tension is building and we're just ready for this moment when we get to launch our attack. But the closer that the car came, it wasn't a full-sized SUV that we were, were expecting. It was just a, a car. And the closer and closer that it got, the more we realized that's not just any car. That's a cop car. And so they, they pull up and they start slowing down. And I guess, I don't know if a neighbor or something was like, there's some weird crap happening here. Like, I don't know what's going on. You need to come check it out. But for whatever reason, the cop pulled up and goes down this back alley. And I thought we were going to be okay for a second until all of a sudden, when she stops right in front of us, she pulls out her spotlight and starts going in the field, starts behind us. And we're like, okay, we're, we're good, we're good, we're good. And comes over, and she kind of hovers over us, but then moves on, and we're like, okay, it passed. She shuts the spotlight off, and then next thing we know, boom, the red and blue lights come on. And at that point, Roy and I are like, well, the gig's up. We got we to gotta come up. So, so we jump up slowly, because we're like, I don't want this cop to think we're doing anything weird. <laughs> and so we, we stand up slowly, and she gets out of her car, And I wish that I could tell you what she said, but she used a few choice words and basically told us, we, I thought that we had two dead bodies on our hands. What are y'all doing? And she proceeds to chew us out. And so we texted the girls and said, Hey, the cops came, the prank war is over. We surrender. We're, we're good. We don't want any more of this smoke. And so what I learned that day is two foot tall grass, not good refuge, not a good hiding place, right? All it takes is a little spotlight and the cop is going to know there's two teenage boys laying in the grass. Or, or consider our dog, Molly. We have a beautiful miniature Australian shepherd. Her name is Molly. She's about four years old. Uh, Rachel and I got it at our first anniversary because she really wanted a dog, and I travel a lot, so she wanted someone to be 
there when I wasn't there. And so we got Molly, and we, we love Molly. We've had her for a long time. She's really a great dog. She doesn't run away. We can put her in our backyard, and we know she's not going to try to dig out. She listens to us, which is why we'll sometimes let her out in the front yard, and we're not too worried about what happens next. We don't always put her on a leash because she listens to what we tell her to do. But like most dogs, she's scared of loud noises. And so it can be the littlest thing. It can be a nail gun out in the neighborhood in a distance away. And she's like, I'm, I'm out of here. All right, I, I want to go back. So she runs up to our front door and she waits for us to come over and let her in because she knows she can be safe and have protection or, or find refuge inside of our house. And so she's like that with thunder. She's like that with fireworks. And so this past summer, I was in England on a mission trip and my wife was at home with, with our daughter Reese and my mom had come up to stay with them and help out because I was going to be gone for a few days. And so they get home. Rachel lets Molly out. There's no fireworks going off. It's like eight o'clock at night. It's not really that big of a deal because, you know, fireworks are normally later. And then for whatever reason, perfect timing happened and all of these fireworks start going off the second that she let Molly outside. But for the first time ever, Molly decided not to trust us decided not to run to us for refuge, and instead ran off. And so it's like, you know, there's a six-hour difference. So it's like two in the morning in England, and thankfully I just happened to be awake. And so I'm getting all these texts like, oh my gosh, Molly ran away. We're looking everywhere to go find her. And so finally, Rachel found her. And when Rachel went to go pick her up, she just saw that there was blood just coming out of all of her paws because she had just been so scared. She'd torn up her paws. And, and so anyways, Rachel had to go take her to the vet, and because of that, she had to wind up in a cone of shame because she just wouldn't stop messing with them. And so what became a problem, what was originally a problem for, for Molly, because she wouldn't just trust us, it became really our problem because we had to change out the pads. It was a whole big deal. And so eventually uh, she figured out how to get at her paw with the regular cone. So that's why she wound up with a double cone over there on the left. So she would actually not be able to mess with her paws anymore. But why, why do I tell those two stories? I tell them because there is something bad that happens when we run to find refuge in a place that we'll never find refuge. When we try to run and, and hide in some grass, when we try to run away and find our own way and, and don't trust the people who have always protected us, we will find ourselves way further away than we ever imagined with no defense for ourselves or anything else. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 46 today. We're going to be in Psalm 46 as we take a look at this question of where do you find refuge? Where can you find refuge? I think it's really important for us to go back to these words of the psalmist here in verse or chapter 46. And so if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. It's going to be up on the screen as well. But Psalm 46, 1 through 11 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. There is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. 
stop fighting, or some of your translations may say, be still, and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth, the Lord of armies is with us, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. Let's go ahead and pray together. God, as we continue into your word and as we take a look at this truth, that you are our refuge and strength, God, I pray that our hearts would be ready and open for what it is that you will speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would move in this place. God, would your word be glorified and lifted up in Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes I think the most simple truths are the truths that we need to be reminded of the most often, right? Like a friend of mine is using this illustration somewhere else today, but he, he talked about the fact that like, think about a penny or a dollar for a second. You've seen them a hundred times in your life, but how much of the details can you remember or recall from your memory right now? Maybe you know a few of the major things, but you probably couldn't tell me every single thing that was on a dollar bill or on a penny. And, and that's why I think it's so important for us to be reminded of these simple truths, right? That God is our refuge. I love that David starts it off by saying that right there. God is our refuge and strength. And, and I don't want us to move past this because while this is a simple truth, it's also a game changer, because outside of God, outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have no refuge. We might think we have refuge. We might think we have people or places or things that we can rely on. But the reality is this, that anything except God will not live up to that standard of per perfection. And, and let's be honest, if you and I are trying to find refuge in a place, we want that refuge to hold up perfectly, right? Right? Like if you were hiding in a castle and there was an army attacking, you would not want there to be like, it's a really good wall, but there is like this one thing. As a matter of fact, I should have shown this video. Uh, my, my wife, my brother-in-law and sister and I, we were driving out to a couple friends' house yesterday and we were driving by this really nice gated community. And as we were going by, I was like, oh, wow, look at those houses. They're really nice. Oh, that's a great gate that they have over here. And, and then as we were driving by, I was like, wait, was that a wooden gate? in the middle of that wall right there. And then we, we went to the friend's house. I didn't think anything of it again. But then as we were driving back, I, I took a video of it. And it was like, there was this beautiful gated community with these strong main gates. But what, for whatever reason, something had happened in the middle and they replaced it with wood. I don't know how safe that neighborhood is. Wood's pretty easy to get through. So, so if we're trying to find refuge in a place, we want it to hold up perfectly. But the only place that we will ever find a perfect refuge is in God. It is God who is our refuge and our strength. It is only in God that we're able to withstand some of these things that we're gonna read about in a little more depth right now. But that's also the hope of the gospel. The, the hope of the gospel is that we get to find refuge for our souls, that we no longer have to try to strive for religious achievement, that we don't have to strive for perfection, that no, Jesus did that. So all we have to do is trust in what he did and find refuge in that. And, and when we put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ, we find that security in God. God as our refuge is one of the hopes of the gospel. It's no longer about us striving to protect ourselves, but let's just go ahead and get further into the passage before I get too far ahead of myself. See, when God is our refuge, what we find is that God protects us. When God is our refuge, he is the one 
who protects us. It's no longer us having to protect ourselves or having to look to other people to protect us. It is God who protects us. And so check out what it says in verses two and three in Psalm 46. Therefore, we will not be afraid though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters roar and foam, the mountains quake with its turmoil. Even in those scenarios, we do not have to be afraid. Now, Yes, could this apply to physical protection? Yes. But at the same time, too, when we talk about God as our refuge, we're, we're really talking about a spiritual uh, uh, sense of that word. And so we're talking about finding refuge for our soul. So, so these, uh, these tangible disasters that it's talking about here, yes, will God protect us from that? A lot of times he does, but sometimes he doesn't. But what we're really talking about is a, a metaphysical sense, a spiritual sense that our soul can always find refuge because we know that you live long enough and something is gonna happen that makes you go, God, why me? Why now? Why are you letting this happen? Maybe it's a diagnosis Maybe it's the loss of a job, the loss of a friend or a loved one. Whatever it is, we've all had moments and times in our life where everything seemed to be toppling around us like what, the, like what David is writing about here. And the question is, where do you run to in those moments? Where do you try to find reassurance? Where do you try to find security? Where do you try to find strength and refuge in the middle of those storms? Because if it's outside of God, you will ultimately find that it is not strong enough. It is not good enough to hold up forever. Consider the the city of Nineveh. You may have heard of it before. Uh, There's a little Sunday school story about a guy named Jonah So you may be familiar with that, but uh, we're actually going to take a look at a a different book that references Nineveh. And if you had Nahum being mentioned in my sermon today on your bingo card, that's an automatic win for you. So here's the deal. We've heard of Nineveh in Jonah, right? And so the story of Jonah is simply this. It's a a man, a prophet gets called from, gets a call from God to go and share the, the hope and the message of God with the Ninevites. And he says, no way, I'm not doing that. They're awful, terrible people. I wish you would destroy their city instead. So he runs, right? And so he starts running from God. And of course, what does he find when he runs from God? The same thing a lot of us have found when we try to run from God, everything starts falling apart. And so he's out in the middle of this sea and there's just this storm that comes up and all of the sailors are afraid and they're trying to figure out who brought this calamity upon us. And so then Jonah says, it's me. And he says, throw me into the sea. Now, why does Jonah want to do that? Because he'd rather die than actually show up and preach the gospel to the Ninevites. And so they throw him into the sea and Jonah is just, I'm imagining just like Jack and Titanic just going down to the bottom of the sea, but he's happy about it because he's like, great, I don't have to go share the gospel. But then all of a sudden this great fish or a whale comes along and swallows him and spits him out at Nineveh a few days later. And so he's like, okay, God, I get the, I get the message. I got to share the message now. So he walks in the city of, of Nineveh. He gives the worst sermon I've ever heard before. There's no like appeal to their emotions. There's no appeal to anything other than God's going to destroy Nineveh in a few days. Take it or leave it, right? And so, but they took it 
And they ran with it. And why? Because why did, why did Jonah not want to do it? Because he knew that God was, was slow to anger, that he was forgiving, he was gracious. And so he knew, God, if, if I go and I share it and they want to return, that they want to repent and turn to you, you'll accept them. And that's what happens. And, and so that's why Jonah was like, I never wanted to come here in the first place. He goes out on a, on a hill and hopes to watch the city burn and die, but it doesn't happen. And instead, God causes a plant to grow overnight. And Noah's like, I mean, uh, Jonah's like, yeah, I love this shade. And then in the middle of the night, a worm comes and eats the shade. And then Jonah's just really upset again. And, and we end on this weird cliffhanger where we have no idea what actually happened with Jonah. But what we do know is that God in his grace in his mercy, in his forgiveness, in his long-suffering, in his faithfulness, he relented of his anger because Nineveh repented. And so what we see here is, is this happens in like 793 to 753 BC, somewhere in that range of about 40 years. But 100 years later, we find God giving this word to Nahum, saying that Nineveh is going to fall and collapse. Why? Because the generation, as we see oftentimes, the generation in Nineveh that, that repented and turned to God, they begat another generation that kind of followed God, who begat another generation who had heard of God but started to turn away. And then four generations, you're right back to the wickedness in Nineveh again. And so God comes to Nahum in verses 1 through 1, 7 through 8, and says this, the Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of distress. He cares for those for those who take refuge in him. But he will completely destroy Nineveh with an overwhelming flood and he will chase his enemy into the darkness. The Hebrew word for refuge here is meaz and it's translated stronghold elsewhere. And it, sim it means simply this, right? It means a strong fortified place. What is, what is uh, God saying through Nahum here? He's saying, if you try to find refuge in me, you will find a strong fortified place. But if you like Nineveh, try to find your protection and what you can build up for yourself, you will not find refuge there. And I think we can all relate to that reality. I think we can all think of times in our life where, where we tried to find refuge in our own things that we've built up for ourselves, our career, our family, our belongings, our, the friends that we have, our popularity status, the, the plans and the dreams that we have for our future. And we try to build up these refuge, these places of refuge for ourselves, but ultimately they always fall apart because they were never meant to be where we find our refuge. It was always meant to be in God, this strong and fortified place. And the amazing thing is that later on, even though they had this amazing city, what was it that destroyed Nineveh? It was, uh, it was an army, but thanks to a flood that happened through the, uh, there was a river that ran through Nineveh. A flood came up through that river and destroyed parts of Nineveh. And that allowed the army to come in and take over that place. When we trust in our own strength, we leave ourselves exposed just like Nineveh did. But if we will look to God for our refuge, we find that he protects us from those storms that we face in our lives. I wish that I could say that I always, that I always ran to God to find refuge in in him, but I have to be honest, I don't always get this perfectly either. As a matter of fact, like I said, over the last six months, I've been learning this lesson again. But, but a few years ago when we were expecting Reese, we were considered a high-risk pregnancy, so we had to do some blood work, and that revealed that 
that our daughter was actually gonna have to have open heart surgery two weeks into being alive. And so we mourned through that and it was a difficult, difficult, difficult time in our lives, in our marriage, in our family. And so many of you were so gracious to pray. Some of y'all even helped to cover her medical expenses and we were forever grateful for that. But, but in that season, was it my first choice to run to God as my refuge? No. And I regret it because in God, we find refuge that protects us in the worst storms of our life. But not only do we find that God protects us in those moments, we also find that when God is our refuge, he blesses us. Like just check, take a look at uh, verses four and five. Verses four and five says this, there is a river. It streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the most high. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Right, so what's he painting this picture of? That, that the person who finds refuge in God is like this city that is established and is flourishing because it has these streams of water flowing through it. And, and how can we hear that verse and not think about the Garden of Eden or, or even think ahead to what we find in Revelation 22? Because here's the reality. God's presence as our refuge here on earth points to the eternal reality that we will ultimately find refuge forever in heaven with him. And so this is what it says in Revelation 22, one through three. Then he showed me, he being God, then God showed me the river of the water of life, clear as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. That's our hope. That's what we find refuge. That's what we find when we find refuge in God is that, yes, he's here with us in the here and now on earth, but that earthly reality of God's presence as our refuge is pointing to an eternal reality where there will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And instead we'll be able to, to walk and live with him forever with this river flowing through the stream or flowing through the city, through the middle of the street. And, and that's what, as I was reading these verses in Psalms, it's just the, the image that came to mind. When we find refuge in God, he blesses us. Now, I'm not just talking about monetarily, although I do think that God will at times, you know, make sure that we have enough to survive, but I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about though, is that, that God blesses us richly. John 10, 10, we find Jesus talking about him being the good shepherd, but inside of there is one of my favorite verses. In John 10, 10, it says this, the thief comes to steal kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the abundant. Or, or other, your, your translation may say, I've come so they may have life and life to the full. And what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that we're gonna have these awesome monetary blessings? At times we may, but what he's saying is that because these people will abide in me and find refuge in me, then in that moment, they will find that they have everything that they need. They'll have this abundant life where they never have to worry about where joy is coming from, where hope is coming from, where peace is coming from, because we can always go back to God as our refuge, as our strength, and as our provider for those things. 
See, when Jesus is talking about this abundant life, that's what he's referencing here. And, and maybe there's been points and times in your life where outside of God, you've had everything going perfectly. But think about that moment. How long did it last? How long were you able to find peace because everything on earth was going perfectly? Like your job, you're crushing it there. Your family's doing great. You've got all the friends you need. You've got the status that you want. Whatever it is that you're sitting there going, man, this is awesome. We're all at peace. But then think about all that you had to do to continue to strive to keep those fleeting and momentary situations that way. You, you have to strive and fight. And in the end, you wind up finding that, that those things just don't last. They don't satisfy. But God, when he establishes us and when we find our refuge in him, we find a life that is abundant. Like I said, this is about abiding in Christ. In that passage, he's talking about he's the, the shepherd and the sheep know his voice. And, and it's when we abide in him that we find God as our refuge. And in those moments, we see that God is blessing us because everything can be going wrong in our lives, but we remain steadfast in him. Not only, is, not only does God protect us and bless us when he's our refuge, the last thing that I think we see here in these verses is that when God is our refuge, he defends us. He defends us. Verses six through nine say this. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. I don't know about you, but I want that guy defending me. I know you can tell I, I'm not that tall. I'm not that big. I'm not going to hold up that well, although I've, I've tried a few times in my life and did pretty well. But at the end of it all, I am not a good enough defender. You are not a good enough defender. As someone close to me recently told me, he's like, you, you have this edge about your personality right now, and it's not doing you any favors there, was a lot of, there were a lot of things that were kind of going a little rocky over the last few months. Um, specifically, there were a couple of situations uh, within uh, some parents getting upset about a couple of things that happened in our student ministry. And, and in that moment, I wanted to jump up to defend myself. And, and so I did. And, and as, he, as this friend and I were talking about, about those situations, what I started to realize is that I was trying to defend myself instead of relying on God to defend me and defend the calling that he's placed on my life and defend the fact that he called me to help lead students at the Heights Church. And so I had to just relent from being my own defender. But it wasn't easy. As a matter of fact, I, I read this verse in Psalm 3.3. It was literally just the verse of the day on YouVersion. I, I opened up YouVersion to go look at something else and then popped up Psalm 3.3 and it says this, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. And I realized in that moment that, that I was trying to defend myself and as my head became downcast, I was trying to lift my own head up but it kept getting swatted down because I was never meant to be the one to defend myself and neither are you meant to defend yourself. 
when God is our refuge, when God is our source of our identity and our calling, we then can know and rest on the fact that we don't have to defend ourselves, that this God in verses six through nine, the one that, that calms the nations and, and topples kingdoms and makes war cease throughout the earth, he is the one who defends us. And isn't that something that we need to, to, to grasp onto and hold onto as we go into 2023? Because if we look to other people like the American government or friends and family members or coworkers or people at school or teachers or whatever it is that we're looking to defend us, we will be let down because human beings are not perfect. Institutions run by human beings are not perfect because human beings run them. The only place where we will find a strong defense for ourselves, where there will be a shield around us, is in Psalm 3.3. David also writes in Psalm 18, one through three, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock where I seek refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I was saved from my enemies. Right there, he gives eight different ways in which God defends him. And that's the same God that we serve today. That's the same God who we have a relationship with if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus. That God is the same God who can be your rock, your strength, your shield, and all of those other things that David listed out if you'll simply relent and allow God to be the one who defends you. And, and so that's my question to you again. Where do you find refuge? I think Psalm 46.10 gives us the answer. In a lot of translations, it says, be still and know that I am God. A lot of translations say, be still and know that I am God. And what I found as I was going through my commentaries is there's a, a commentary called the UBS Handbook that helps people translate the Bible into other languages. And in those moments, or when you're translating it, they were actually saying the better way to talk about this idea of be still and know that I am God is, is this connotation of stop fighting, like it's translated here in the CSB. Stop fighting and know that I am God. And I just think that goes perfectly with this idea of you are never meant to be your own protector. You are never meant to be your own sole provider. You are never meant to be your own defender. In all of those situations, we will be let down, which is why he says there to stop fighting and know that I am God. And that's our encouragement today. That's our invitation today is to rest in God's refuge. You know, it'd be really easy for me to get up here on January 1st and say, hey, what are you gonna resolve to do? Maybe you should try this this year or this this year. Here's my, here's my encouragement to you this year in 2023. What if you resolved to rest in God's refuge? To just say, it's no longer me out here trying to, to fend for myself or find hope in these other people, maybe a hidden sin that you have, whatever it might be. There are all these things that we use to try to escape and find comfort from the storms in our life, but those things will always let you down. The only thing that will not let you down is God as your refuge. One of my favorite pastors, John Tyson, in a sermon called The Secret Place recently said, 
that the number one thing that we get wrong as Christians is that a lot of times we don't run to God. We, we commit a sin, maybe a sexual sin, or we commit another sin of, of maybe we cut down someone that we know, or we're just, uh, you know, emotionally or, or just attacking somebody. And, and we take these sins and we're ashamed. And so we hide from God. But the thing we need to do in those moments is run to God, our refuge, and find our hope in him. It's in that secret place where we find that we're made right with God. When we don't run to God as our refuge, we reveal that we have a poor theology. And, and theology isn't just something for pastors to study. Each one of us has our own theology. As a matter of fact, A.W. Tozer famously said, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And the truth is, is that when we don't run to God as our refuge and instead run away from God, we reveal that we don't understand the goodness of God, the strength of God, the fact that he is ready and willing to take on all that we've messed up and he's already paid the price on the cross for us. Our theology should inform our feelings. It's not just to simply prove that you're a smarter or more learned or a better, more mature Christian. It should inform how you live your life. And when you understand that God is omnipotent, omniscient, that he is sovereign, then you should know that these things he already knew and he has the power to fix them and to change them. So I'm going to run to God to find my refuge in him. That's where we're called to find our refuge. But there is a, a plus side when we don't find our refuge in God. We learn some other things about God. He's gracious, he's faithful, and he is long-suffering. He's ready to welcome you back home, either for the first time or for the millionth time. He's ready to welcome you back into him, to find refuge in him. I asked our worship team to sing Firm Foundation today because I can't think of a better illustration than this, than what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. What foundation are you building on today? Is it a foundation where God is your refuge or is it a foundation where you have been just trying to build whatever you can on your own strength to defend yourself, to provide for yourself, to protect yourself? And are you coming to a point in time where you're realizing that that house is collapsing all around you? Because if you are, then my encouragement to you today is to run back to the father, run back to him, just like the prodigal son did. And you'll find him welcoming you back in, ready for you to rebuild your house on that rock. The truth is, is that when we don't build our house on the rock, what happens when these hard times come is that then we have to rely on what we've been building in our own strength. And just like me, what you'll find is that it's not enough. You weren't meant to be your own defender. You're not strong enough. You don't have power enough to control other people. You were never meant to be your defender, protector, and provider all in your own strength. So that's my encouragement to us today, VT Church. 
as we kick off 2023, what if this was the year that was known as the year that we found refuge in God through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. So if you're in here today and you've never had that moment in time where you've given your life to Christ, Pastor Chris is gonna talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But I wanna encourage you that if you've never done that, then right now you are building refuge around yourself that will collapse and crumble. And your only hope is in God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and faith in him. Yeah, give it up for him. That's what he gives you. But if you're a Christian in here, I want to encourage you. Man, what if in 2023 you resolved to find your refuge in Christ? What if this was the year that, that you went deeper in the way you study the Bible? What if this was the year where you were more consistent in your prayer time or you're already consistent, but you should start praying for longer or you worship more freely? And again, remember, this is not about striving for achievement. We're talking about resting. Why? Because Jesus said that his yoke is easy. His burden is light. That's what he wants to give you. But we don't feel that lightness in our own souls when we're just trying to do everything in our own strength. We have the weight of the world on us. And if you walked in here today with the weight of the world on you, you can release that to him today. Whether it's through starting a relationship with Jesus or, or coming back to the heart of the gospel and saying, God, I'm done trying to build for myself again. Remember, this is not about striving or achieving. It's just about abiding. So how will you in 2023 find your refuge in God? Maybe you're already there. And if so, that's great. That's awesome. I'm glad that you have that relationship with Jesus. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't tire out. It's okay if it gets hard sometimes. Keep pressing into him. But if you're in here today and you're like, man, I don't rest in God and what God can do for me, then I want to encourage you to start 2023 off right by saying, God, this year, I'm gonna find my refuge in you. When the rain comes, when the wind blows, as we sang in Firm Foundation, my house is built on you. Because the only place where we're promised peace, which surpasses all understanding, where we're promised joy and abundant life is in a relationship with Jesus Christ that gives us access to, to the Father and being made right to him. BT Church, I love you. Thank you for letting me share the word with you. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes and close out our time with prayer. God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the fact that you are a better savior. You are a better defender. You are a better protector and provider than we ever could be. God, we thank you for the fact that when we put our hope and trust in your son and his death and resurrection, God, then, then it's in that moment where we find hope and we find refuge in you. And so, Lord, would we run to you? Would we rest in you? Would our souls leap and bound as they're replenished and in time spent with you and abiding with you? And God, in those moments, would you remind us of the abundant life that you have made available to us through Jesus? It's in his name we pray. Amen.